Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to podcast number five. Today, we're going to be talking about pillar number three of the four pillars of your complete financial house with Larry. Larry, how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific, Matt. How are you? I am doing very, very well. So let's talk about tactics. What do you mean by tactics? And let's talk about what those five tactics are. Well, when you're about to retire, there's a few strategies that you really should look at and put into place because it's a whole different ballgame when you're working and then when you're no longer working. So we've come up with these five main planning tactics that everyone should look at to really benefit them going forward. Fantastic. All right. Well, there are many other financial advisors who talk about different tactics, but you have five specific ones here. Where do you start? Well, I mean, they're all kind of intertwined. Okay, but I'll good. Start the first, I can start with tax planning because all, all five of them have to be worked together. And, you know, working with a financial planner, a wealth advisor who works with a transition stage from pre-retiring into retiring, really specialize in this and really should focus on a lot of these strategies. Well, I like that. And I like the fact that you say that they're all intertwined because other financial services professionals that I have run into in my life focus kind of only on one of these five. So tell me how all of these work together and then let's break them down. Okay. So tax planning. So tax planning, when you stop working, there's a few different years where you may be in different income buckets, uh, different income tax rates. So looking at that and maximizing your taxes is critical. And then I'll talk about one of the other tactics, which is investments. So where you're drawing your money down from retirement, whether you're drawing them down from a non-qualified account or qualified account, could save you thousands of dollars by doing proper tax planning. So those two are kind of interconnected. Uh, Social Security planning, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, when you take it, if you delay it to age 70, now you have no, you may not have any income for a few years, which helps in tax planning, which also helps in how you take your money out of which investments. And that's also all combined with cash flow management and bucket strategies and which accounts do you take it from. So they really are all to, all interconnected. And one decision on if you take Social Security may impact your taxes, which may impact your investment allocation. So, so that's how they're all combined. So, so what I'm hearing you say is you need to work with somebody like you who has the education and experience in all of these areas, because if you don't, it can affect you negatively in any of these five areas. Absolutely. You know, being a CPA or an ex-CPA, knowing the tax rules is very important. And working with a financial planner, wealth advisor, they need to know what the taxes are because that's really, really critical. So, and then also coordinating that with with an accountant. Okay, fantastic. Well, since you were a CPA and let's dive into taxes first, if you don't mind. Okay. So this is, this is real interesting and really a lot of benefits could be had here. So let's just say you're retiring at, you know, mid 60s, 60, you know, 65 years, years old and you've been earning money and making, um, paying, paying your taxes and you no longer have a salary here. So now where are you going to receive your money from? Are you going to take it from Social Security? Are you going to take it from your investments? 
and then which investments. So there may be years now that you're in a lower tax bracket up until when you're age 70. Most people today, they have most of their savings are in their 401k or tax qualified assets. So at age 70, they have to take required minimum distributions. Mm -hmm. So we've got five years here where we can do a lot of good things. And for example, the first thing is we look at is the you know the different buckets from if you're married the first twenty thousand of income you you're in a ten percent bracket the next from eighteen to seventy six you're in a fifteen percent bracket so if you have no income coming in maybe we want to take some money out of your four hundred one k first and fill up your ten percent bracket or even fill up your 15% bracket because when you're 70 and, and withdrawing from your required minimum distributions and getting your Social Security, whenever you take your Social Security, now you may be kicked up into a 25% or higher bracket. Hmm. So we have to look at each year, year by year, and look at the incomes and see when we can fill in those brackets. And even if you don't need the also, if you don't need the money and you're one of the other strategies is converting some of that money into what's called a, a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. So all these type of strategies come into play. And one of them is when do I take the Social Security? We'll talk about Social Security a little bit more. But if you're delaying your Social Security until you're age 70, now you can really look at minimizing your taxes. And when you look at this growth over five years, it can be thousands of dollars. Huh. Well, this sounds really complicated. And maybe that's just my my ignorance on all of this. But how do you keep track of all of this stuff? I'm, I'm kind of digressing here a little bit, but I think it's fascinating just how you explained how you're taking from different accounts and, and moving stuff from here to there. That That really sounds, that does sound complicated. And it sounds like you need to have somebody with a lot of experience, because if some of those moves aren't made correctly, it can have really long, long-standing impact on everything, cash management, where your investment, where is your cash flow coming from, and even taxes and social security. Am I on ball there? Or? And now you're on, you're, you're on, because even us, we, we use a financial planning software. So, so most people, when they retire, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to take their social security at normal retirement age, and they're going to spend down their non-qualified assets until they're age 70, and then they're going to talk, start taking their required minimum distributions. So we have a financial planning software and we can actually put in when they take the Social Security, which buckets, which investments are we're drawing down on. And not only will it show us what their taxes are for a year by year from, let's say, 65 to 70, it also shows us how much they would have, um, you know, at death or at 90 and 95. So the strategies that you're doing from 60 to 65, of 65 to 70, may have substantial impact later on in your overall net worth. And we can specifically, using this software, we can show clients how a change impacts their growth. Gotcha. Well, that's fantastic. So let's let's dive into Social Security planning a little bit more because you've already been hinting towards some of the things that you can do. Uh, but but let's talk about what, what are the, all of the different things that you can do. Okay. So, well, the first thing is most people, when, when they get to normal retirement age, Social Security, they're like, I'm going to take it. It's free money. It's not, it doesn't cost me anything. I've worked all my life paying, putting in month, paycheck by paycheck, and they want to take their social security as soon as they, soon as they can. And that for many people is not the best solution for a lot of different reasons. One, by delaying your social security, 
the government is giving you an 8% increase on your benefit, and that doesn't even include cost of living. So the benefit could grow substantially by delaying it from normal retirement age 66 to 67 all the way to age, all the way to age 70. So that's one thing that you, you need to kind of, to kind of look at. Uh, another thing is you don't want to just plan on Social Security for your life. If you're married, you want to plan it based upon both yours and your spouse's. Because when a spouse passes away, they lose one of the Social Securities. So if we can increase the Social Security payout 8% into age 70, you're building up a pot of money. So when the surviving spouse would only get one Social Security, it'll be much greater. So again, using software, we can kind of show based upon different life expectancies. And of course, it depends upon how much Social Security one spouse has over the other. But if one was the majority income earning, you want to look at both of them combined. So that's one, you know, that's one concept. Now there's other concepts that the government is kind of closed. There's still some loopholes around and we can actually have a separate podcast just on social security, but there's still, especially if you're over 62, there's some what's called restricted applications, which is really free money. And I'm just surprised that if you're 62, people don't know this. In other words, you could take one half of your spouse's Social Security for a few years and then at age 70, take your own. Hmm. So that's going away. But right now, that's still available for a lot of people out there. Hmm. So, you know, that that's two strategies. And I we try to talk to clients to basically tell them that the Social Security is really another asset. It's okay. an income stream over their lifetime. And if you do a current net present value of what that is, that sometimes you're much better off spending down money that you have in the bank or an investment first and then delay the Social Security to age 70 because it's going to net you a lot more money and you and your spouse a lot more money over your lifetime. It's a hard concept for people to understand. Why should I spend down my money to have in the bank and delay free Social Security? But if we get talking about that it's really another asset and look at it that way, then clients are like, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, you got my gears turning in my brain right now. Uh, so where do we go from here? Which which one would you like to attack next? So, you know, so next really is, you know, the cash flow, cash flow planning and, and cash, cash management. Uh, and it's interesting. Any anybody that retires, I don't care how much money you have. We have clients with, you know, multi millions of dollars. When you stop working and you no longer have income coming in, it's a much scarier proposition when you look at your investment portfolio and having a written game plan and a written cash flow strategy to keep you on knowing how much you can take out and not having to worry that you're spending too much during your lifestyle really gets you to, to sleep better. You know, it's one of the things we talk about a lot of times. Sometimes I tell clients, well, there's an investment decision and there's a sleep factor decision. And they don't always go, they don't always go hand, hand in hand. So one of the things that we do in, in, you know, cash management, there's, there's cash flow planning and then cash management planning. Cash flow planning, we kind of break it down into three different areas. Survival, more needs expenses, your rent, your food, something you can't live without. Then your life lifestyle expenses, which is your travel, your entertainment, things you can change if you wanted to. 
And then your legacy expenses, things you may want to eventually pass on to the next next generation. And we try to match up your investments and your income to each one of these uh, styles. So for an in, for example, your Social Security and your pension may be matched to your survival. So therefore, you, there's no real risk in not being able to meet your needs and your current needs if your Social Security and lucky enough to have a pension matches that. Uh, if you, there is not enough money there, then we have to look at in your investments and see, okay, what kind of return do we need to get from your investments to make sure that your survival expenses and your lifestyle expenses are taken care of. And if you're lucky enough to be able to do that, then any additional investments or growth assets would could, could be considered a legacy expenses. And by, again, breaking these down, clients now say, huh, I, I kind of see where it's going in a nice, easy um, fashion. And the other thing that we try to do is try to replicate what they were doing while they were working. Hmm. If you have one big pot of money and each month you're taking out different amounts and then all of a sudden you don't know how much you're spending. Sure. So what we do, what we say is take your Social Security that goes into one bank account and then each month move a fixed amount into that bank account month by month. So if your expenses, for example, are $10,000 a month and your Social Security is $2,000 a month and you need $8,000, now you're moving that each month from one account to the other. And now at the end of the year, you kind of know exactly what you're spending without having to go through a detailed budget. If you're short one month and you have to go into your investments, then you just add that to your 12 um, movements of $8,000 to know what you're doing. And we find when it's kind of um, motivational, but once people kind of say, I'm moving this, they kind of uh, live on that and they're comfortable with that knowing each month X amount is going forward. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about cash, because you, you said cash flow planning and cash management kind of together here, but... Help me with cash management because there are, again, different times where you're going to do different things and that you should have different, just like you were talking about with the accounts, right? How do you handle the long-term cash management, the short-term cash management? Can you can you break that down for us? Yeah, sure. So we, we look at a couple diff- couple different things when we're looking at, you know, looking at cash. And I always talk about what your expenses are. I mean, I, I don't even understand how investment advisors could put together an investment portfolio without knowing whether retirees' investment expenses are going to be. So we know if you're going to be invested in the stock market, there's going to be ups and downs. And in 2008, there were a lot of clients that had, you know, were very, very nervous. So what we do is we use our a kind of a bucket strategy. So I'm going to go back to the example before where if you have $8,000 a month is what you need to pull from your investments you need to live on that 8000 You can't take any risk with that 8000 So that's roughly $100,000 a year, $96,000 a year. So if we know the stock market, if when it goes down, historically has come back within two to three years, we tell clients that you should have somewhere between two and three years in either cash or very short-term, very short-term bond fund. 
And then each month, the cash then gets transferred from one account into their checking account to pay their bills. So no matter what happens in any of their investments, they, they know that they can go two to three years without any, anything happening. They turn on the TV and they say, oh, my God, the stock market's down a thousand points. They get all nervous. Uh, so as long as you believe the stock market will recover over long periods of time, we just want to make sure that we're managing to the shorter period of time with, with the cash. So that, that's kind of our first bucket. We then actually look at a second bucket, which is what we call our four to 10 year bucket, which is one step above cash, which is really fixed income. And I'll go again in another podcast, go into more about the fixed income strategies. But in the in the four to 10 years, you can use bonds in here again to minimize, you know, minimize your risk. And then your 10 plus years, there's where you can get into some, you know, some equities. Because if you're retiring and you're in your mid 60s and retiring, you're really, you're planning on for another 30 plus years of life. And with interest rates as low as they are, you need to have some growth in equities. So this way, you know, how do we manage the volatility of equities and meet their current needs and also make sure they sleep sleep at night? So that's how we manage the, their short-term cash needs. Okay. A longer-term cash need may be, you know, something for emerging funds or a specific goal. So we're really it depends upon the time horizon when they need their money as far as a, a longer-term cash goal. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Well, I think you're you're saying that we're going to needing to do some more podcasts on some of these because it sounds to me like you're scratching the surface of something so much deeper that we want to make sure that we dive into that deeper. But this is a really good overview so people get a better understanding of what these four pillars are and how this third pillar tactics really does play a big part. So the last one here, right, is the oh you were just alluding to it, which is investment. So explain that tactic. Yeah. So, I mean, putting together an investment portfolio before you're, you're retired and after you're retired is, you know, is, is very, is very different. So once we figured out what their cash needs are and what their expenses needs are and how much money they need to generate from their investment portfolio, then you can go ahead and create the proper investment model for them and make sure that their allocation is correct. So for an example, if a client has a, um, a needs to, earn 5% from their investments is a lot different than a client that only needs 2% from their investments. So one of the factors that we have to decide is, okay, what are the rates of return that we need to make sure that they can not outlive their money? We also want to look at what their risk tolerance is. A client that may need, you know, 7 or 8% return from their investments, but we do a risk analysis and their risk analysis comes up at two out of our scale, then we know that if there is a temporary decline in the market, they're going to panic. They're not going to be able to sleep at night and they're going to want to sell in a downturn. And we don't want that to happen. Going back to 2008, we had a lot of retired clients and we were able to to tell them that we have three years of cash. We have another seven years in bonds. We can ride this out. Yes, it's very scary looking at your portfolio go down hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if we if we maintain the strategy that we put into place, and you believe the market will come around as it has historically for a hundred years, you will be fine. So 
putting together the the investment allocation is based upon not only your expenses but your risk tolerance and your cash management and your life expectancy and everything combined will create the proper investment allocation. I love that you just said that when 2008 happened that you because you had such a good strategy in place that your clients were going to be okay and yes it was scary and you talk a lot about the sleep factor Larry so with these five different pillars I'm sorry with these five different tactics within the four pillars it sounds to me like your clients can sleep a little bit better because they know what the long term view is and how that impacts what's going on with them tomorrow Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things that we do is managing expectations and making sure that their expectations are in line. So, yes, we want to make sure that they can, you know, they they can sleep at night. And when we have reviews and as things change and their life changes and the economy changes, we're always talking about, you know, about that. Everyone wants higher rates of return with low or minimal risk. Mm -hmm. And that would be great if we had could all, you know, could do that, but that just doesn't work that way. So we need to know what they're going to be comfortable with. So they'll, so they stay the course. And that's really our job is making sure that they stay the course and therefore they can have peace of mind. Hey, Larry, thank you so much for helping your clients stay the course. Hi, Matt. Thanks for being here. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening to podcast number five, where we talked about pillar number three out of the four pillars of your complete financial house, tactics.